Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What's up on Bone? And I am Beam. What's going on, Bone? How many times did we have to redo that intro today? <laughs> just, just. Just three or four. It's okay. It's already been a little little late, a little early, if you know what I mean. A little uh, getting some pops in early today. Mm. I guess that's what's been going on. You're the one who's been talking all morning, not me. I just woke up. So this is, you're fresh and ready to go. I'm, I'm just. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to rock it. today. I'm feeling feisty about things. <laughs> well, we got a lot to get into today. We will talk about uh, something that I think we all feel feisty about. That's the U.S. national team. Once again, failing to make the Olympics, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how, I guess, what you can what you can know when your non-soccer friends come up to you and just say, like, well, hey, they didn't make the Olympics again. How should you handle that? Maybe we can discuss that a little bit. Uh, we will talk about Germany losing in a World Cup qualifier to North Macedonia. The Kings, North Macedonia. Love North yes. Macedonia. Big fans. So we'll talk about that. And uh, soccer player, international star, getting suspended for blasphemy. Didn't even know you could do that. Literally suspended from blasphemy. Not like, like not just you saying that. This is yeah, literal. Not like he said that, you know, fat Ronaldo was better than Cristiano Ronaldo. Like he, this is actual blasphemy, even though we could make the case that fat Ronaldo was kind of better than Cristiano Ronaldo just because he was fat and he was good. And he wasn't fat, really. I mean, he's just fat to soccer players but us calling someone else fat is blasphemy <laughs> I, we should be suspended from this podcast for just doing I, that i agree with you i agree with you totally <laughs> on that but we're going to start off with uh the absolute legend gareth bale uh elbowing racism out of the game Bieber. yes how about that the other night so uh this there was a matchup between wales and the czech republic uh czech republic has a player on the team who is named andrej kadella he Not is. our guy. No. Um, so he is, he plays for Slavia Prague. He's a center mm -hmm. back and he is alleged to have racially abused Glenn Kamara in the game against Rangers. Glenn Kamara plays for Rangers. It was a Europa League match earlier this month. Um, initially, they were not going to let him play in this game, but then suddenly they were like, never mind, we're going to let him play. And so Gareth Bale was clearly knew who he was looking at. He actually looked back and checked him out before doing this, but the ball's in the air. They're trying to gauge where everybody is. You see him check back to see who's behind him and clear as day just goes up and you can say it's inadvertent. The referee's not going to necessarily penalize you for that, but no chance it's inadvertent. No, but we know it wasn't. Yeah. And Gareth Bale just clobbered him right in the head. He had to leave the game. I think I'm pretty sure he got knocked out of the game with that. You hate to see it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you do. So uh, thoughts on uh, elbowing racism out of the game. I'm I'm all for it. I think we should all be all for it. 
Yeah, I am too, man. You look at this uh, situation involving the, you know, Czech player and Gareth Bale. Uh, it's just, it's got no part, man. I mean, listen, we're sitting here in the year 2021. And I think that's the cool thing about, you know, the soccer community, especially where we, where we live bone, you know, in Columbus, like so, but everybody is open thinking and everybody belongs. Yeah. And I think that's cool, you know, especially what we have here in central Ohio, like, you know, all the crew fans have been so welcoming to everybody and race, gender, equality, you know, whatever your standing is, I feel like everybody is open to everyone. And that's something really, you know, that you find in a lot of soccer fans, right? At least here, you know, with the experiences of soccer fans in the States, now you get over to Europe and I understand there's massive is, problems yeah. they're having to deal with. It you is know, different, but I, th but I think that's a, that's a thing that maybe the United States not that we have to be, you know, like super proud of all everything that ever happens in this country, sure. but like that is one thing I think that makes soccer fans different here versus other parts of the world is soccer is a little more counterculture here than it is elsewhere. Elsewhere, it's like sure, and I don't nothing against the NFL, right? But everywhere else, it is their NFL. So you have a much more broad base of people who are just like, yeah, I grew up with this, I watch it, it's my thing, and you're going to have all different types of people who come to that, including, sadly, some racists. And, and you have that in, in the U.S. as well, I'm sure. But you're right. Typically, I find the same thing where I feel much more accepted. I feel like there's much more of a community of acceptance towards anybody who's coming in. Um, I guess the, probably the one problem with like soccer community in the U.S. is that if you don't know some of the players, sometimes you get laughed at. But not, not yes, ever. like me. <laughs> right. Well, you're a big Vancouver fan, but that's okay. You know, yeah, you know course. them very well. But all, the point is, like, you're right. There, there is a, there seems to be a difference between that that group of fans when you go to a soccer game compared to some of the other you know fan bases that I've been a part of. Like, I watch auto racing. I love auto racing. But yeah, I tell you, it's a very narrow minded fan base, and they're trying to change that there. But there is very different going to some of those pockets of the internet and going to the soccer world. So it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but you're right here in the U S that's something that's good. So, yeah, I, I think it's neat. Right. And so, you know, I've always felt very welcome when I go to crew crew games or talk to crew fans and it's great. You know, it's, I think there is that acceptance that you're talking about uh, And anytime I've been down to the stadium or just talking to crew fans, like it's cool. It's like, you know, this, this weird little family that you have. And I think that's what a lot of crew fans, you know, like about the city and like about you know other people who enjoy watching the team play, you build those relationships off of that. And it's very accepting. And so I think, you know, looking over it's obvious that it's been i mean highlighted for years and years and years you know the racial abuse that some of these players deal with you know, not only here in the states but especially you know over in europe and you know this guy for czech republic he goes out and he's playing and i don't know the ramifications or you know what he's dealt with i didn't really want to look up the specifics of it uh it's not you know some of the reading that like i enjoy to do you know i like sure, reading yeah, about yeah, yeah all these things, but I think Gareth Bale, you know, for doing that, it's not necessarily that needs needs to be commended like on a national level or anything like that. But two dudes and us hosting a soccer podcast, like, yeah, we're going to talk about it. You need to take a situation into your own hands and you find this chance. So you go up for a challenge. The best part of that entire thing was that you could see Gareth Bale clearly look behind him to see who is there. And then he fires that elbow right into his face. Like, Hey man, if yeah. that's going to treat you not to be an ass, then good for Gareth Bale for sending a message across to that guy. Yeah, I I am. Uh, I will say this. I am. I am never one who chooses violence other than on Twitter. I don't like go out in these streets looking for, you know, fights. Or I do. Catching hands. I know you do. You're a big fighter. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. all you. It's all you ever do is rumble. You're, yeah. 
<laughs> but I'll say this, man. Like, if I find out that someone who's racially abused someone gets punched in the face, I will not shed a tear. I will probably laugh at that person for getting punched in the face. So it doesn't mean that, like, this guy can't change, right? Andres Cadella, hopefully sure. you're right. Hopefully he eventually sees, like, wow, the entire community of soccer pretty much hates me. Um, everybody's realized that this is horrible. He's being investigated by the police of Scotland and by UEFA. Um, so I don't know how you if UEFA is investigating you for racial abuse. I don't know. I guess they don't really have jurisdiction. I don't know how that works. Anyway, who cares? The point is they let him play in this game and he got elbowed in the face by Gareth Bale, who then went on to also assist on the game winning header for the for Wales in the 81st minute. So I don't know. Can you be knighted if you're Welsh? Like, how, I don't know how <laughs> I that works. I don't know either. I'm not going to get into the whole <laughs> All right. geopolitical landscape of, you know, Britain and Wales and Ireland and Northern Ireland. Like, I don't know, man, because if, if if we have one Welsh person that listens to this podcast and if we say something wrong, like we're going to get spit roasted over an open flame. So I don't know if you could be knighted in 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 Welsh government. I have no idea. I would assume so. But then again, I don't want to take a wrong step. If there is anything as knighthood in Wales, Gareth Bale should be knighted. Yeah, I think I think uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about this, but I believe Morgan Hughes of uh, the Save the Crew movement and you know him being uh, one of the the main Tifo boys out there making all the banners and stuff. Not anymore, but he used to. I think he is of Welsh descent, so maybe he knows. If he's listening, he can weigh in. If not, well, then maybe he maybe he won't. I don't know. Anyway, get knighted, Gareth Bale, if you can. That's what I well, say. Well, I'm pretty sure. I mean, so I, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but all right. So it's Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland, yep. and England, and Wales, and, and England, who are all part of Great, Great Britain, Britain, right? Or in England, the I don't know, the whatever it's called. Yeah, Great Britain. Uh, I think that's how that yeah. works. And so, yeah, so they're all part of Great Britain. So I would assume you're able to be knighted by the queen. Like, I, I would assume that they all fa all f fall under that same, like, British empire. And so I would assume, like, if you're being knighted, you are knighted by the Queen of England. I'm well, sure I that's say, how that works. Make an exception, even if he can't be, and let's let's knight him. If he wants to be. Maybe he doesn't want to be knighted. Maybe he thinks that's all a joke and thinks that's stupid. Also, he should have been knighted anyways for building a golf course in his backyard. That thing's amazing. <laughs> Well, I mean, between him and what Jim Nance, didn't Jim Nance do that too? Or at least has like a putting green or something. Oh, Jim Nance has like a replica of 11 at Pebble Beach. That's in it. Yes, that's it. Okay. That, like Gareth Bale has a replica of TPC Sawgrass 17 in his backyard and it's like full length and everything. It's unbelievable. I did not realize there were, well, so many, there's two that we're discussing. I did not realize there were that many people who were like, yeah, I'm just going to replicate a famous hole of a golf course in my backyard. I did not know that was a market. So, I mean, I know like Timmy Hall put down the the putting green. That's that's one thing I've heard of that, but I had no idea that people were replicating like a full hole. Like I'm pretty sure he has like multiple holes in his backyard, by the way. Like it's not just that's one. That's incredible. Oh yeah. It's, well, I get it's Tiger. Stuff. I got like Tiger Woods or pro golfers might have, you know, a driving range or something right off the back porch because that's you know kind of what they do but no very cool i know garrett wasn't gareth bale also like watching a golf tournament recently where there was a game going on and he was up he wasn't playing in it and probably i want to say that was a thing ah well anyway big golf fan gareth bale maybe he will get knighted if not big golf fan and anti-racist which yes. makes me a ma massive fan of yes gareth bale. i agree i agree absolutely uh, also big fans of this guy alexandra matan who is uh the guy that the crew just signed in the offseason, 
the uh, young DP, young money getting it done over in Romania. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was playing for the U21 Romanian side against Hungary in the U21 Euros and played pretty well. Had a goal and an assist in that game. Uh, the game ended 2-1, to one, so game-winning assist there. That's nice. Uh, unfortunately, they were eliminated from the group. They tied on points with Netherlands, with the Netherlands and Germany, but lost on dreaded goal differentials. So too bad for them, but good for him. And I watched this highlight of his goal. It's pretty good. It was a nice uh, little cut in little yeah. meat, little uh, Justin Miram J nine meat hook there. It looked, it looked kind of reminiscent of that. I thought I could get used to this. If he comes in super sub kind of deal, maybe spelling Zellerai on in a few games and, Cuts in and puts a shot on like that. Crew will be all right with that for sure. Yeah, they will be. And you continue to watch this player, young player. I'm excited to get to see him play for the crew uh, and what his playmaking ability is going to be. Boom. But you're right. I mean, it was uh, it was beautiful. I mean, crosses in, has the ball there on the left, cuts it to his right, and then just fires a rocket right into a top shelf right hand corner, upper ninety. I don't know if any goalkeeper in the world is stopping that. So it's obvious that this kid is a starlet who is coming here to Columbus. It's awesome to see, right? I mean, we've talked about the change in this league and how some franchises and ownership are stuck in <clears throat> David Beckham uh, of the old way of thinking <laughs> of bringing in old players past their prime of their career and trying to sell tickets and everything. It's one thing that the Columbus crew are not doing currently. And I love it. Get these young players in guys who are competing on the world stage, which is what Alex Matan is doing. Uh, and really just, you know, not necessarily setting off an arms race, but making sure the core of your team are young, good players that you could eventually sell on later down the road for much more of a profit. It only makes your organization stronger. So if he's able to do this on the world stage, U21, uh, you know, Euros that they had going on over there, that's amazing, man. Anytime you're able to do that in an international competition with the world watching your country, flying your flag, being able to be very proud of that, it's very, very cool to see. So I'm excited to get to see him lace it up for the uh, the black and gold here. Yeah, I am too. I, I would I would equate what the crew are doing in the offseason. They're not the only one. A couple other teams doing the same thing. But teams where the crew are right now in MLS, it's kind of like if you worked in an office and there's like this one person in the office who is overachieving constantly and like, you know, boss asks for a report. He gets his report in first. It's always got like great color presentation, you know, all this extra stuff that wasn't asked for. And you're like, man, dude, why are you now? We all have to try harder because of you, right? Like that's, that's kind of where I feel like the energy is for the crew right now in MLS where they're like, you guys just won MLS cup. Isn't that enough? Why do you have to go out and then win the off season two and build this team up? They're, they're already saying they're going to continue to do things like that. They're not going to be done adding players. So I just, I love the fact that They've won MLS Cup and they're not just sitting on it and going, cool, now we're just going to sell some jerseys and open our stadium and everybody will be happy. Like They are looking to defend that championship. They're looking to win CONCACAF Champions League. Big goals, big dreams. I love it. I think it's excellent. So, yeah, excited to talk about them more next week. Don't forget, they start off CONCACAF Champions League in like eight days, something like that. I think it's April 9th or April 8th yeah. is the first game. So, yeah, we're getting there. We're almost back to crew season, which I'm very excited about. All right, we've avoided it long enough. Let's talk about it. U.S. men's national team, mm-hmm. the U-23s technically, but hey, still a national team. They failed to qualify for the third consecutive Olympics. It is the longest drought between Olympic appearances in more than 50 years for the U.S. men. They uh, lost to Honduras 2-1. to one. 
winner goes to Tokyo match that uh, was kind of the you know the end of CONCACAF Olympic qualifying and unfortunately U.S. didn't get it done. Jason Kreiss, who is the U.S. head coach, said, quote, it's a tragedy. Thoughts on uh, this team not making it to the Olympics? I mean, it's important. Yeah. It's frustrating it didn't happen. Does this, like, sour you on, oh, no, the future of the U.S. men's national team is in dire straits? Or do you think, well, this this particular situation is a little different. It's a little unique. I think it could be both. Uh, you know, I really do. Here you are with a great opportunity, a win or go home kind of mentality to get yourself into the Tokyo Olympics. These are all about reps, Bone, and we, you know, talk about that a lot. You know, if you're able to get these guys experience and coming up through the ranks and what it's like to play in a big time elimination game. And if you don't win, you're not going to be able to make the World Cup or down the road or something like that. You know, you take that to your clubs and you understand, you know, kind of the knowledge and experience that you gain from having this. So I think on that point, it was mega disappointing, right? Because these these players who are having dreams of coming up through the U.S. men's national team system and ultimately, you know, playing for their country one day at the senior level, it's disappointing because you're not getting that experience and you're not getting to represent the USA. And is the, the Olympics the biggest competition in the world for soccer? No, it's not even close. But having those reps and getting that experience to what the pressure cooker is going to be like in a World Cup cycle or a CONCACAF cycle or just anything like that, you know, you're missing out yourself on getting that valuable time and, you know, time with the, the organization and the men's national team and all that. So I think on that hand, is it panicky? Yeah, maybe a little bit. And then on the other, it's like, all right, well, you know, the senior players weren't there. They were down a few guys, yada, yada, yada. This is they're in great shape, you know, for the future, as we've talked about on this before. But, yeah, I think it's certainly disappointing. I don't think it's time to, like, press the panic button and blow up the organization. Well, I do for other reasons, but not that specific one. But at the same time, man, it's just, you know, it's disappointing. You want to represent your country in the Olympics, and it's something that they failed to do yet again. Yeah, it is disheartening. And and I think the worst thing about this, as much as anything else, because for those of us who are, like, you know, hardcore soccer fans, obviously – like, I will have people come up to me and say, oh, are you watching soccer in the Olympics this year? And it's like, yeah, I'll flip it on. I'm sure I'll be interested to watch sure. that to some level. Am I more interested in that or like the Euros? I'm way more interested in the Euros. Not not, yeah. not just I'm even if the U.S. was playing, I would I would be very interested in them making a run. But outside of them, when they're not playing in it, which tournament are most soccer fans more interested in? They're interested in watching the senior national teams for the best teams in the world. That's the Euros. That's, you know, any of these other type of tournaments, uh, like why am I blanking on the one in South America? Copa, Copa uh, Sudamerica. Yeah, right? Copa Sudamerica, things like that. But also, I'm I'm also interested in watching the World Cup, the World Cup, clearly. And that is the number one goal for the U.S. right now is not only to get to a World Cup, but to be dangerous in it and hopefully someday build to a point where you could win it. Does this hurt their effort in doing that? Technically, no. It just would be nice if some of these young players would have a chance to, like you said, be in that pressure cooker. But here's what's really odd, and I don't know how to answer this for people who have this question, right? Like, you have young players like Serginho Dest and Gio Reyna who are eligible mm -hmm. for this tournament. They didn't play in it. And the reason is because FIFA does not require you to be released from your club to go play for this like right. they do when it comes to World Cup qualifiers, things like that. So when that's the case you know you're not playing with your best. Now, you can say the same for Honduras, right? But 
Honduras, while they have talented players, a lot of their players are going to be in their domestic league, you know? And so that makes it easier. Those players, number one, are in season. They've been playing. That is something that's clearly in the interest of the country to let their players out to go be in this tournament. So they're younger players. You're going to have a few of them that are able to play that maybe the U.S. didn't. But what was really bizarre about all this is that Gio Reyna, Serginho Dest were available for like the friendlies that the U.S. senior national team was playing. And they played them right around the same time. So you had a couple of these guys going up against Jamaica yeah, Northern Ireland in friendlies, but not available for the Olympic qualifier. It's it's frustrating, right? How do you explain that to a non-soccer fan? I guess the only answer... You don't. Right. There's, you, there's you just, the look of confusion and like, oh, okay. So it's like when you try to explain, you know, someone who's new to the game and it's like, all right, you know, you take the Premier League and they play in the Premier League. Then they have two cups and they're domestic cups. And then if you do well in the Premier League, then you get to play in something called the Champions League. Oh, yeah. How does the international things work? Well, they all get together and you represent your country. It's yeah, it's confusing. It's confusing as hell for people who don't pay attention to it. Right. And so that's why I, I everybody can handle this their own way. Right. But we all have friends who are like dip their toe into soccer come world cup time and other than that they don't really pay attention to it but i think we should be welcoming like we talked about soccer fans in this country tend to be more welcoming and open we need to welcome people into the sport who may not fully understand it yeah so my my answer on this has been when people are like well we didn't make the olympics are you mad about that my answer is like yeah i am i am mad about it i mean do i know that there's other circumstances do I know that most of these guys were out of season MLS players that were you know certainly good there's 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 talent on this team they should have they should have qualified no matter what but do I know that yeah they probably are not going to be at you know full capacity because they're not playing right now a lot of these guys are in preseason form versus guys who are playing their regular seasons yeah I I am fully aware of all that but it does do you no good to make excuses, right? Like, I think that's the last thing people want to hear from soccer fans in this country is excuses for the U.S. national team. And I don't think we should be making those excuses. Yeah, it sucks that this didn't work out. Uh, I know some of the mitigating factors why I think it is kind of stupid that you can't have a Gio Reyna or a Serginho Dest be on the team. But the reality is, doesn't matter. U.S. has has 350 million people in it. Honduras has the population of Michigan. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you should be able to beat a country of that size when it comes to getting to the Olympics. I don't care if they've got some of their better players and you've got like your third choice guys or second choice guys. U.S. should still find a way to get it done. So as for me, I'm not making excuses for it. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and, you know, no, draw like a ton of attention to it. I'm not going to go like rant about it as the first thing when I see one of my friends who doesn't follow soccer and be like, I can't believe this happened. Like, I don't know. But if someone asks you, are you mad about it? Yeah. I'm mad about it. It sucks. They should do better. So that's where I am on it. Yeah, I think it's a good point. It's just frustrating and difficult and, you know, confusing. I I think really, you know, because these kids, like I said, are going to grow up and they're going to get better and hopefully you get called up to the senior team and you're going to be in Burhalter's system. And it's just the lack of ability to be able to say we've done this before, right? Like get around your teammates. I mean, let's say your backs are up against the wall and it's 65th, 70th minute and you're trying to find a goal in a game that matters, whether that be a cup qualifier or a World Cup. And the lack of ability to do that if you run up against a team who has done that and they're U21. Like I said, the Olympics, biggest deal in the world? No, you and I are both on that, right? I mean, right. yeah. Is it a big deal? Sure it is. There's no doubt winning a gold medal in the Olympics for soccer would be amazing for anyone who accomplishes that. But at the same time, man, it's just 
it's so frustrating because we keep talking about this team. And like, on the other hand, you have the women's national team who is just kicking ass and taking names and is so damn good. And is the gold standard for what the rest of the world is trying to aim to in the sport. And here you just have, you know, failing over and over and over and over again and tripping over yourself at the biggest moments. And it's sometimes you wonder like, boy, can this team ever get over the hump? And I think that's what a lot of the fans are frustrated about. Yes. You have all this talent on the senior squad. Yes. We'll see how that plays out in 2022 and cutter, but is it guaranteed anything to happen? No, man. You still got to run through this qualifying. You still got to do this. And time and time again, they have seen to fall over their foot. They have just stumbled face first and, every opportunity there's no excuse for it so you know apathy turns to anger and then anger turns to people turning away and that's really could be a disaster for them i guess the biggest thing to do if 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 you are someone who's trying to i don't know like is there any point for running pr for the men's national team at this point i mean i'm no right i'm not saying you have to do that but if someone does ask you like is what's the you know is this important yeah it's as important as you want it to be for me as a soccer fan world cup's more important of course but the fact of the matter is this summer, this is, these games are going to be on NBC. People are going to say, cool, when's the U.S. team playing? And it's like, oh, we we didn't make it. We we qualified in the, you know, decathlon and we qualified for all these other, you know, events. Yeah. But we're yeah, not we'll, there for we'll soccer. Win the medal, we'll win the medal count. But when it comes to team yeah. sports, like, nah, we're good. We, we didn't make it in soccer. Go figure. Like, right. That's going to be the attitude from a lot of people. It's like, oh, of course we didn't. We suck at soccer. And so I would like to see that stigma broken. Hopefully 2022 can start to do that again. This U.S. national team can live up to its billing, but time will tell. We'll take a break. We come back. North Macedonia. Maybe they're the future of soccer. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. Before we get to uh, the kings of soccer, North Macedonia, how about... uh, Little rumor that popped up, Beamer, you were telling me about before the show, old Erling Holland. And I say old at what, 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got some people in his corner, uh, possibly working on the startings of a deal with Barcelona. Yeah, man. It's pretty fascinating. You see all this that's happening. And we understood. I mean, he's not long for Dortmund, right? It's it's a club that that we know. It's just they're they're remarkable at homegrown talent and being able uh, to go and poach these young players and then giving them a great career afterwards. And they sell so many and they've got a great strategy right there. Well, listen to this. Erling Holland's dad, Alf Inga Holland and agent Mino Raiola. Yeah, that's right. Good old Mino. I mean, what a guy he is. Uh, So (laughs) apparently they held talks in Barcelona this morning. Soccer podcast day on a Thursday, by the way, with Barca president Joan Laporta over a possible transfer for the superstar from Borussia Dortmund forward Erling Holland. Sources told ESPN that in a two-and-a-half-hour meeting attended by Raiola, Alfahenga Holland, and Laporta at Barca's incoming director of football, Matteo Alemani, was a first step to explore the viability of a deal with talks in their early stages. He's 20 years old. He scored 49 games and 49 or 49 goals in 49 games for Dortmund since joining uh, the club in January of last year. And a release clause in his contract does not come into effect until 2022. And ESPN has reported that Dortmund would accept. Listen to this. Get ready for it. In the area of a 180 million euro deal. That's what it's going to cost somewhere around there to get Erling Holland to move away from Dortmund. And remember, Manchester United didn't want to sign him for like 25 mil. They thought that was too much. So there you go. Good business by the Glazers yet again. (laughs) 
Yeah, you have plenty of reasons to be salty about that, my friend. I do not blame you at all. Uh, yeah, so that's that's quite the number one for sure. We know who leaked all this, right? I mean, yes, that was a hundred percent on Barcelona because they want their fans to be like, "No, look, see, we're we're good. We're still hey, we're still spending." It's like the divorcee dad that is going through a bankruptcy, but he's still trying to show his kids like he can afford things. So he like shows up and just brings them a bike. He's like, look, see, that dad's fine. Dad's no, no. Dad's company didn't just get like repossessed from him and he's living in his car. No, everything's good. We're good. Barcelona's trying to show you they've still got the chance to bring in the toys and the nice things of life. Yes, and, uh, $3 billion in bankruptcy or, you know, in debt, whatever. What's, hey, what's another for a player? <laughs> yeah. Now, again, he's. He's certainly worth it. I mean, you bring in Erling Holland, the guy is a freak, but I this is clearly Barcelona wants everybody to know. We are in these conversations. Uh whether it'll pan out eventually, I think a lot remains to be seen. Clearly, we don't know where Lionel Messi's headed. Uh could be that he is on his way to uh, you know, replace Sergio Aguero, your favorite player. I know that you mm-hmm. love him. Mm-hmm. Now that he's announced that he's moving mm-hmm. on from Manchester City at the end of the year, perhaps that's where Leo Messi goes. Anyway, the dominoes will fall this summer. We will know for sure. But I uh, feel like we're in for a wacky summer. Are we not? It's like, going to be feel crazy. Like yes. Yeah. Like yes. there's just a lot happening, and especially too. You go back to last year. I mean, with the COVID shutdown across the entire world, like we know that that put the soccer business in a, a standstill for the most part. Yeah. Certainly, you had some transfers and you know movement, but I feel like these clubs getting back to you know their normal day to day business, and you're playing an entire season. Like you're going to have the Euros going on, which would be something as a must watch TV for us over here and then like just the amount of movement that you're going to have this year and not free agency but you know the soccer transfer market is really going to be spectacular man there's a lot of big names that are going to be on the move and I mean you mentioned it Leo Messi where's he going to go likely that he ends up with City under Pep Guardiola Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus what's going to go on there I mean is he is he going to be on the move somewhere Jadon Sancho from Dortmund another guy to keep your eye on Erling Mm -hmm. Holland certainly Kylian Mbappe in talks with Liverpool like I mean, I know that, you know, we're not quite in silly season. We still got a season to finish, but all this while all this going on and the Euros combined, like we're in for a great summer, I think, of high drama bone across the pond. Like it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. I mean, not if you're a fan of one of these teams necessarily where you're the drama is ratcheted up, but especially if you're just a more casual observer of European soccer and all these big name stars you watch, like they could be all on the move. And uh, if you if you like to shop for jerseys, I would say hold off on purchasing any of your current favorite player just until, I don't know, late August, early August. Meredith, Meredith has a no jersey rule for me, by the way, like she's because <laughs> the last jersey. So she bought me two jerseys in, in our time together, one of them being a Jay Cutler Bears jersey. And mm, uh, that was yeah. a year before he left, which is still up in my closet to this day. Sure. Love Jay Cutler's best quarterback in Bears history. You can argue, argue that until you're blue in the face. I certainly believe it. They suck. Uh, and so the other one that she got me was Wayne Rooney. And then Wayne Rooney left the D.C. United or went to Everton after that so mm-hmm. she has uh, implemented a strict no jersey policy she is not buying me any jerseys anything i have to do to get a jersey is now on my own accord as far as that goes so yeah, yeah. hold off a little bit at least until august yeah well you could always get a blank jersey right just get one with the front sure. you know with the logo of the i think team. they look actually better anyways i you? agree with that i i'm not as big of a fan of getting someone's name on the back but either way yeah that's uh Certainly to hold off this year, because of all the years, you would think there's going to be a ton of player movement, and we'll be talking about it all summer long for sure. Uh, Also be talking about shocking games like this. Germany 
falls at home two to one in not yeah. just a friendly, a World Cup qualifying match against North Macedonia, which that's clearly the biggest win they've ever had. Uh, 85th minute winner from Elif Elmas ended a 35 game unbeaten streak for my the four time World Cup winners. Oh, yeah, my guy, El- or maybe it's Elgif. I could be wrong. It's E L J I F. I don't. I don't know. know if the J is silent. Is it GIF or JIF? I don't know if it's like the J in yogging or if it's an actual pronounced J because we clearly call it yogging. We don't. The J is silent. So I don't even know what that is. Haven't been <laughs> yogging in years. <laughs> I need a good yog for sure. Um, all right. So this is uh, the last game, I guess, that uh, Joachim Lowe is going to be in charge of for Germany as far as World Cup qualifying goes. So. Uh, he will still be there for the Euros, but this is his last qualifier that they play before the Euros, and then he won't be in charge after the Euros. So, what a way for him to go out after you know a pretty legendary run there at Germany. All things considered, uh, he still could go out on a high note at the Euros, but losing a game like that is uh, quite shocking. Yeah, I mean, is it going to like derail their World Cup qualifying campaign? No, probably not. It's no. Germany. But yeah, I mean, good for the little guys. North Macedonia, I was looking up in the FIFA World Rankings, Bone, they're 65th, so it's not like, you know, they're down in the 100 range. But certainly you're talking about Germany, who are, you know, many-time World Cup champions. And so here you go. You look at that situation. And I saw Yugi Louv was pissed off at Timo Werner, by the way. Like, did you see the miss that he had in that game? I don't know who it was, the wing player for Germany. Cuts across the middle, all good, lays it off. It's literally like a two-to-one FIFA goal, right, where you have the goalie just beat in a spin cycle. Goalie comes out of his box, flying out, literally an open net for Timo Werner, and then he just, I mean, horribly fluffs his lines, misses the goal, could have been a draw for them, had a chance to pull him back into the game. He misses that. And this is something now you're looking at. He's done it with Chelsea his first year in the Premier League. He has done it now on the national level. You wonder what his mind state is. But, yeah, it's uh, pretty damn surprising when you talk about Germany's 25-26 game unbeaten run, whatever, at their national level. It's just something you don't expect. Like, you turn on the TV, you're like, ah, Germany versus North Macedonia. Let's watch for 15 minutes. It'll be 3-0, and then we can turn that off. No, no, World Cup qualifying, man. You're not guaranteed anything. I don't think it's the start of a bigger problem, but I understand certainly how Yugi Liv is pissed about it. Like, that doesn't happen in Germany very often. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely bizarre and not something anybody would have expected. So, good stuff, though. I, I always, and especially, like, for Germany, they're not a, as much as they have had their embarrassments of late in the World Cup. Uh, they are certainly not a team that I think anybody's going to cry for other than German soccer fans. So by all means, enjoy watching them lose. But they're also the type of caliber team where they drop a game like this. It's like, well, that was stupid. They're pissed at themselves. They're not worried. They're not going to qualify for the World Cup, right? U.S., if you lost a game like this, it would be oh, like yeah. Meltdown City. Here we go again. But yeah, right? again, you have that in your mind. Like, you missed the last World Cup. Right. There's nothing for you to fall back on. Germany won the Cup, you know, what was it, six years ago, seven years ago? Like, yeah. they're feeling okay about themselves. They beat Brazil, for God's sake, 7-1 to one in a semifinal. Like, they're not feeling bad about themselves. They've got the stars above the crest. They're okay. Like, it's Germany we're talking about. You're talking about a team who missed the last cup stage by not getting through. And so, yeah, if you're a German fan, like, yeah, does your day suck today? Probably. Like, you're not too happy waking up. You're feeling bad about yourself. Will they get back on the horse and qualify for the World Cup? Yes, a thousand percent they will. They're Germany, for God's sake. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they'll be fine. And uh, yeah. So in the meantime, it feels I feel better about laughing at the big boys than I would feel like <laughs> laughing the other way down. Like I wouldn't be laughing at North Macedonia if they got shellacked. We would just be like, no. oh, that, that sucks, you know, but this is OK. You can laugh at Germany. It's fine. Uh, this is also a pretty bizarre story before we get out of here. I I was telling you for the show, I did not know this was a thing. Uh, I did not know you could get suspended for this, but Juventus legend Gigi Buffon has uh, been banned from the Turin Derby after getting Ooh. suspended for blasphemy. Um, so he was playing against Parma. Uh, the issue is, this was from actually back in December, but I guess this has all kind of been litigated through now. Um, he screamed at one of the players, uh, uh, actually to his defender, Manolo Portanova, after a shot from an, op- uh, from an opposition player sailed over the crossbar. He was caught on microphone saying, Porta, I want to see you effing running and struggling. Dio Cane, the rest I don't give a bleep about. So all of that was fine except for the two words Dio Cane, which I, I guess I'm pronouncing correctly. Dio Cane is kind of like a, as I understand it, it's like a terminology kind of like we would say, swear to God, man, get it, don't do that again, you know? Except there, it for some reason, I guess that phrase means God is a dog. Is, is what that phrase literally translates to. Oh, okay. So it, it would be like him saying, man, you better start running. God is a dog or I'm going to beat your ass. Like, I don't know why that's a phrase. I don't understand the history. Of it. <laughs> I don't either. Okay? I don't but get that it. is that is apparently a phrase that is used or he decided to use. Anyway, it falls afoul of Italy's blasphemy laws. And yes, they have those on the books. You can get fined for it if you are heard in public or on television if you're a public figure saying something that runs afoul of you know obviously pretty religious place there given the vatican and all the history so this actually got him suspended for a game he's going to miss their next game i find I wonder that if shocking. he got a phone i wonder if he got a phone call from the pope afterwards like gg what are we doing here bud you know like what's right. what's happening here yeah i didn't i didn't know what we have learned on this show if you have listened to anything and you've taken this away we don't know european laws but no we, we have are. no clue when it comes to that <laughs> didn't know that uh you know I guess you know making twitter accounts and barcelona. i don't even remember what happened it was barcelona where they were making twitter accounts that bash their own players and we and they were like that this could be all oh, these guys could all go to jail and it's like i didn't know you could I didn't know you could do that. But then again, I would guess somebody in Italy or Spain might look at our laws where it's like, oh, yeah, a guy who makes shoes paid this college basketball player $100,000. And they'd be like, (laughs) oh, yeah, he went to jail, federal prison for many years because of that. And it's like, what? Because he gave the guy money. Don't they pay these guys to play in the NBA? And it's like, yeah, but you have to be 19 to do that. And they gave this guy he was 18. So clearly you that's, see the you see how point. illegal that is. It's like, wait, no, none of that makes sense. Why is it illegal to do it at 18, but not 19? I don't understand. That's that's bizarre. So anyway, I, I guess we all have our own laws that I'm saying don't make a lot of sense outside of the culture. But yeah, there you go. Don't don't say anything like swear to God or whatever Gigi Buffon said, because you're going to get suspended, I guess. So, yeah, there you go. I don't know, man. So hopefully uh, he fielded a call from the Pope and everything is settled there. Gigi yeah. Buffon, by the way, looking to move on uh, from Juventus after the end of the year. So see what happens with how, that. How so that if he is... doesn't get to uh, a big club, then he's just going to call it quits, man. One of the best careers all time for a goal. Well, that's what I was going to say is like how old at this point is Gigi Buffon? I mean, he's been around. He played in the World Cup that they won, right? Like he was. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, I'm yeah. saying that was 2006. Am I wrong? I, I believe say, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. He's 43 years old. Just turned 43. Let him live. 
I, I won't say the other phrase because I don't know. Again, I don't want to get in trouble if someone exactly. appears us in Italy. I don't. I, literally, I hope that's not an offensive phrase. Like that's just what he said. It apparently that's what it means. I'm sorry if that does offend you. But like I said, that's uh, that's crazy, man. I didn't know you could get suspended for that. So yeah, he's been playing for the it- Italian national team since 1997. I mean, he's made 176 appearances <laughs> for the senior squad. Think about that for a second. 1997. All right. I mean, the 98 World Cup is the one where the U.S. like crashed out and lost to Iran and had just that horrible run. And they have done a podcast about how awful that run was for the U.S. national team because it was like, oh, yeah, well, it's been 20 years ago. And it's like that he was playing before that. Good Lord. Good for him. He's the seventh most capped footballer of all time. I don't know that I want to meet the other six. Like, Methuselah's on that list? I don't know. (laughs) Good Lord. Hammurabi? I don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. Awesome for him that uh, he's still playing. Bad for him that he got suspended. But, yeah, you know what? I hope he plays until he's 50. I hope he is the I hope he becomes the most capped player. I don't think Italy's calling him much anymore, but whatever. I hope he gets to play a ton more. His career, by the way, started with Parma, the team he was playing against in this game, 1995, when he Jeez. made his Serie A debut. Let's get him to 30 years in Serie A. Why not, right? I mean, not that he played his whole time there, but come on, man. You got four more years in you. Let's go. Let's get that done. I think it's great. All right. That is it for us. Till next time. Uh, get your vaccines if you haven't gotten them yet. I got mine tomorrow, by the way. Are you getting yours? Try. Yeah. Yep, sure am. First I've, dose, baby. Shoot I've, it in me so we can all right. get to crew games this summer. I got the first one in. I got the second one coming in a couple weeks. And then watch out. Yes. Bars Spit I haven't my been mouth. to. <laughs> that's, that's our first event back. Bone and Beam United presents Spit, Spit in My Fest. Mouth. Fest. Coming to a soccer bar near you. Till next time, we'll see you guys. Enjoy your week. It's Bone and Beam United.